This broadcast is rated PG-13 for prolonged sequences of coherent sentences, strong opinions, mind-blowing factual analysis, minor language, and hardcore roasting. Some material may be inappropriate for fragile precedents. Whiny baby strongly cautioned. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the realest fake news show of all time. My name is Paul, and I'm here for all things national security. And my name is Glenn, here because I'm a published journalist, and I hear that that means something. And together we make PG-13, your favorite NSFW news podcast in the entire Western Hemisphere. NSFW meaning not safe for Washington, of course. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at PG-13Podcast, and like us on Facebook to join in our discussion. Alright, so keep your ears inside the podcast at all times, and away we go. Alright, Glenn, so listen, holy shit man like we've had a crazy past couple days what's going on it's been really hard to keep up but the biggest news of the week was obviously uh james comey's testimony yesterday on the hill Mm -hmm. um and basically what we could have said one way to sum it up is that the gloves came off um i mean he really was candid and he really did uh tell everything that he knew Mm -hmm. that he could say in a public setting now glenn i would even go maybe a step further when we say when the gloves came off i feel like james comey took off his iron gauntlet medieval style and just threw it in trump's face you know broke broke his nose a little bit even very good imagination and i I think that you're correct thank you i appreciate that so james comey as we know testified before a senate committee yesterday with regards to his experiences with the current president of the united states in a private setting Mm -hmm. um going into some private conversations that he had, which we'll talk about later and the implications of those. But, uh, you know, we've had some records set just yesterday. I mean, the the former FBI director called a sitting president a liar five times. It's the first time anyone's ever done that. Did he say it outright or did he yeah. just allude to... No, he did. He, uh, he, in his opening remarks, he was talking about, he went into some statements that Donald Trump had made about how the FBI was in disarray and they had lost faith in their director. And uh, right. correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I'm quoting James Comey here when he goes those were lies plain and simple and yeah, uh, you know I'm sorry that my I'm sorry that my my fellow FBI staff members had to hear them and he that was his opening remark that yeah he did he Donald did Trump off. is a liar he did start off with that message to the FBI and he kind of wanted to it was re- it was really interesting to see that he wanted to set the record straight first not for himself but for the FBI mm-hmm. um, it's a real testament to his loyalty to the bureau and to public service and mm-hmm. um and it was really interesting to see not only um you know his affinity for the bureau but the senators on the panel most of them started off by saying you know thank you for your service and mm-hmm. you know we're glad that you're here today and we have great respect for you mm-hmm. um and that was um, confirmed by acting director McCabe um, several only, times, several times, not only the day before in his testimony, but I think a couple weeks earlier, uh, right after the incident happened, mm-hmm. um, who said that, you know, he has great respect for uh, James Comey and so do the people at the FBI. So I think so, I think that Comey is definitely right in saying that um Trump and his administration lied about those Mm -hmm. accusations. That's true. And I mean, he's been contradicted directly on that fact several times, but this is the first time. And I think it's, I think it's probably because, you know, James Comey's a private citizen now. I mean, what's Donald Trump going to do? You know, he can't fire him. He already did that. He really has nothing to lose other than his reputation, which I think he actually repaired a little bit yesterday in mm-hmm. his testimony. And, it, and to be fair about his reputation, I mean, just saying those things about the president, the people who already hate James Comey are going to keep hating him, and the people who were on the fence about it but also don't like Donald Trump or the people who are at James Comey's back are going to just reaffirm their support there. Right, and that's one of the things that is a little disappointing about yesterday's testimony. I think that 
the people people heard what they wanted to hear um mm-hmm. they people that are against trump heard that um there's more evidence of um possible collusion there's more evidence of possible obstruction of justice on his part and they were happy to hear that the people on the other side were happy to hear that the president was never personally under investigation they were happy to hear that um you know they were happy to point out that james comey leaked uh, one of his memos to the press through a friend um they focused on that a lot so i don't think that anyone really switched or changed their minds on uh their opinion of the situation after that testimony right and so now that you mentioned the memo glenn i'd like to go into a little bit more detail about that because it's really interesting how exactly what came out about that memo during his testimony and how comey admitted to intentionally releasing the memo as a prompt to leak um, right. that information, which would prompt a special counsel. Um, and he got exactly what he wanted. You know, he wanted to he wanted to put out the notion that the FBI may not be reliable and that we need to appoint a special counsel. And then it comes out later, oh, I did that on purpose. I, I tricked you, I'm a sneaky sneak. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because uh, just look, listening and watching the reactions of a lot of journalists and and uh, politicians, mm-hmm. just saying how unorthodox it was for him to come out and admit that. The argument around it is that the memos that he wrote were personal to him and not mm-hmm. classified government documents. Right. And that's why now that he's he was a private citizen when he leaked them, there's really no legal ramifications to that because he... Um, he was a private citizen. Those were his personal documents. Um, mm-hmm. And all of those documents have since been turned over to uh, Robert Mueller in, in right. his uh, investigation. Right. And I mean, um, interestingly enough, the debate, I think the debate there really comes down to whether or not he was leaking privileged government information because yeah. he was having, I mean, it was clear through the context of his interview that Donald Trump invited him to a personal dinner right. in which he recorded his first memo, um, or at least the most important memo where he says he was threatened um, to have been fired. Um, but what I think the debate comes down to is whether or not this is pri- this was supposed to be privileged government information because we can't really debate that it was classified because Comey, Comey uh, you know, I talked about that directly in his right. interview, and he was like, I wrote those specifically to be non-classified documents ready to share with the public. Right. I didn't write a single thing that needed to be redacted. I knew I would be sharing them if I needed to. They were specifically non-classified. Yeah, because the, the he also noted in his testimony that the reason he wrote them was the potential to need to share them. Right, and that was... That was crazy in itself. I mean, he I think he cited three separate things. He said it was the content of the conversation they were having. It was the context of said conversation. And then more specifically, and I think most importantly, the person he was having a conversation with. Yeah, and he was questioned about it. And he did confirm that this was the only president um, or really um, superior that he's done this for. He, he didn't do it for Loretta Lynch when she was uh, attorney general. She, he didn't do it for President Obama. Any other superior that he's had in his right. public service. Zero other people. Right. This, But he specifically laid out that he would need to um, do it for President Trump. Right, and he, he specifically admitted that he was concerned that Donald Trump would try to skew his words later and he wanted a verbatim account personally that Trump didn't know about. Right. And and just going back to what I was saying about partisanship after this testimony, right. um, we're seeing that the Trump administration is focusing specifically on the fact that he released this document to the press um, and nothing else in his testimony other than the fact that um, <laughs> the president wasn't under investigation, which, you know what, congratulations, you weren't under investigation yet. Right. 
James Comey is a liar and fake news, except for that one thing. Except for the one thing that he liked. Um, but, you know, who cares? Um, <laughs> but even during the testimony, if you look at the different media um, outlets, uh, specifically cable news, um, you could see the headlines that are different. Um, I know just looking at CNN, this isn't about the memo, but CNN and Fox News, one of them said something along the lines of Comey took President Trump's request as a directive. And the mm -hmm. other one said, Comey said President Trump did not order him to end the Flynn probe. Um, so those were both from the same thing that Comey said, um, which mm -hmm. was that the president did not order him mm -hmm. uh, in his words to to right. uh, let the Flynn um, investigation go. But he did interpret his words um, mm -hmm. as such. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the importance of context here, I think, is of paramount importance just because he did very clearly articulate that this was after the president took everybody in the room, his counsel, his attorney general, who's James Comey's boss, mm -hmm. ordered everybody to leave the room when the doors were closed, looks at Comey and says, I really hope you can let this go. And no, they can't convict him on obstruction for justice of that. He can't obstruct justice if he says he hopes something and the Republican senators who very much wanted to articulate that point were right. Mm -hmm. However, he all but put a gun on the table and right. said, I hope you could let this go. I mean, that, that that was the only thing he could have done that would have made it more obvious what he meant. Right. Um, and But to be fair, you can't convict him on that. Yeah, and I think just reading the words, you know, I hope you can let this go. I get that, you know, Trump supporters hear what they want to hear. But, you know, when someone says that... And they're your boss's boss. Not even, even like in a private setting. Like, I hope you can let this go is saying, like, I want you to let this go. That's, this is that's what, what I would means. like. Not not just, you know, you're not just sitting there speculating like, you know, I, it would be great if you could let this go. But, you know, don't worry about it. You know, don't do it. But, I, you know, it'd be cool. Like, I don't think that's what he meant. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that anyone seriously thinks that that's what he meant. I think there are many people who seriously think that that's what he meant. I don't know if they seriously do. I think they want to think that. And I think mm -hmm. they, they're trying to um, think that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that um, they really believe that, you know, I think that they don't realize that in any other situation, you know, it wouldn't even be an issue. Right. Well, I think that kind of comes down to what we discussed the other day about what Hassan Minaj said about how, you know, Trump supporters just, they trust him and, you know, what he says they're going to believe. And, you know, the president said he hopes. And, you know, I, I hope so too. I think he's a good guy also. And I agree with that. And so shut up. Yeah. So that entire conversation in itself i don't think that i don't think the obstruction charge is really i don't think we may gained any ground or lost any ground on the obstruction charge what i think we accomplished here is that james comey had the opportunity to publicly condemn donald trump which is a powerful enough thing in itself i mean he doesn't have to you know he didn't have to provide any evidence that would criminally uh, help to convict donald trump but now he has given the public what most people thought, and now he's confirmed it verbally, which means that he, Donald Trump's public reputation is probably going to tank as if his approval ratings are, aren't low enough as it stands. But, you know, James Comey did a lot of damage, whether or not he, you know, contributed to a criminal investigation or not. I think, you know, what this kind of did was confirm the reporting that has been done. Um, a lot of the updates we've been getting, if not all the updates we've been getting, are from news reports. And I think that you know, obviously, when Comey recognized that um, he did submit his memo to the New York Times through a friend, um, that confirmed that report, um, mm. that it was true, and he confirmed that in his testimony. But some of the other details that were confirmed uh, 
in his testimony uh you know we can we can now say that we know that and not that it's not just speculation and right. you know we should be clear that there were some instances where comey said that the news reports were dead wrong um especially i know there was a new york times story that was mm-hmm. specifically mentioned by senator tom cotton from february that comey said that the majority of the story is basically incorrect right um, so so we're still waiting for more confirmation on these news reports, but I think it's important that we keep paying attention and keeping an open mind to um, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. No, absolutely. And I mean, unfortunately, I don't think really much that, you know, uh, James Comey said yesterday is going to make much of a difference until Robert Mueller is done with his investigation. And that's going to take a long time because Robert Mueller does not do anything quickly. He almost does things obnoxiously slowly, but he's also known for you know, being decisive once he feels like he has all of the information that he needs. Right. And Comey did express his unwavering confidence in Mueller and the ability for him to uh, carry out this investigation in his testimony yesterday. Mm -hmm. As well as his ability, as well as the uh, committee's ability to cooperate with Bob Mueller. I think that he, I mean, if I recall correctly, that he did, uh, you know, mention that he has the utmost faith in the committee to be able to cooperate with the investigation and they can work together across partisan lines here. Um, but it's just it's just a bummer just because in a lot of things we don't even know because all the juicy stuff happened in a closed session right yeah there was a separate closed session that went over classified information that couldn't be shared in a a public setting there was a couple things that leaked out of that meeting but um, the large extent of it was not leaked Um, one of the things we're going to touch on later but has to deal with uh, Jeff Sessions Um, but I'm sure that we'll hear a couple more things uh, on that meeting Right. in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, before we before we move on from the James Comey event, uh, I want to talk about one senator's line of questioning, um, and that's John McCain. Um, John McCain, I'm, my man. John McCain's a Republican. What um, do you do? I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, but you know, I I usually rely on him to have the sense of reason and to and to be level headed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he is pretty moderate, so he's he's a pretty reasonable guy, and, and and I respect him. But yesterday, he 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 went on a really strange line of questioning, um, where he basically went into the Clinton email investigation, which a lot of Republican senators did because they love to bring that up. Right. Um, and you know, Comey outlined that that investigation was closed. That's why he could comment on it, and that's why they could announce it um, publicly. But John McCain was trying to kind of steer it in another direction and kind of compare that investigation to this investigation mm-hmm. and see why the two weren't the same thing. And it was very strange because he wasn't really making sense in his questioning. And, and even at one time, Comey said, um, I'm sorry, Senator, I'm confused. Like, it, w- it was just very strange. And it went over a lot of people's heads um, mm-hmm. immediately. His, his entire seven minutes was just very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people on Twitter were not understanding what he was saying. Right. Um, and so, then he tried to cover his butt. Right. Maybe I shouldn't stay up so late watching the Diamondbacks. Yeah. The senator from Arizona, he, he apparently watched the Diamondbacks game on Wednesday night. But um, that must be as important, if not more important, than Comey's testimony. So Yeah, I mean, at John McCain's age, you can't, you can't burn the candle at both ends, my man. <laughs> so that was strange. But... Um, at least he acknowledged that there was something up. 
Right, right. And while, again, as as you mentioned, before we leave uh, our conversation about the James Comey testimony, I did just want to point out, I know that, the, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that, you know, Glenn and myself are, uh, we're rather liberal oriented and we're rather uh, anti-Trump, as you can Bad. see. We think he's a big dumb, dumb head. Um, however, um, you know, I just want to, I just want to place in a moment of bipartisanship here as we, as we try our very best to do. But I also just wanted to point out, uh, Glenn had mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, James James Comey's remarks about Loretta Lynch and how he condemned Loretta Lynch's behavior in uh, requesting that he call the Hillary Clinton investigation a matter uh, in an attempt to, you know, downplay the significance and help um, preserve the Democratic agenda during the election. And James Comey has shown himself now to be equally willing to throw people under the bus from both sides of the aisle if they choose to try and manipulate the FBI into aligning with specific political agendas. And I just think that that's really important to show. And I think it's I think it's important that we praise him for, you know, throwing a democratic cause under the bus for the sake of bipartisanship and, you know, a neutral standpoint in terms of the FBI and how important that is. So like I do, I praise him for that. I think that that was good that he mentioned that. Yeah, and I think there were a couple senators who praised him on his um, nonpartisanship um, just in general, because that's that is how he is known uh, mm-hmm. for being pretty non-political, non-partisan. Mm-hmm. So, one of the biggest stories of the week got swept under the rug because of the James Comey testimony, and we're gonna go into it a little bit more right now. Um, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, via Twitter, of course, um, announced <laughs> that he has a new pick for FBI director, and his name is Chris Ray. Um, and Paul, why don't you go into a little bit of Chris Ray's background? So Chris Ray um, is actually a really interesting pick for the director of the FBI in in both really good ways and also some potentially negative ways that I think um, I'm going to try to hit here as best as I can. But uh, Chris Ray has actually been um, hailed as a really good bipartisan choice for Donald Trump, and there, uh, you know, people are kind of interpreting this as an attempt at Donald Trump to kind of inject some legitimacy back into his political agenda, where you know he's willing to appoint people who are kind of like Bob Mueller in a sense where, you know, they are in a widespread manner regarded as reliable and nonpartisan and calm and collected and uh, contemplative. And Chris Ray is all of those things there. Um, he has threatened to resign from the Justice Department on one occasion because he thought that he was uh, being persuaded to do something he felt uncomfortable with, which is something that a lot of people had a, a lot of faith in him for. Um, he's known as being very calm and measured even more so than Bob Mueller, if you could believe that. Um, and he's very, you know, a lot of people think that he's going to bring a lot of stability back into the FBI in this time of turmoil. And it's not to say that the FBI was in turmoil before, but the recent actions of the executive branch have definitely placed the FBI into a fragile state for sure with the change in leadership being so frequent. And, um, uh, how, how, how does he feel about the independent est- investigation and has he spoken publicly about, um, what he believes the FBI's role to be in that? Not to my knowledge at this particular point in time, he seems to, I mean, as you said, the story has been kind of swept under the rug and any statements from Chris Ray have been minimal at this point. Um, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more of it once the James Comey dust clears. Uh, in terms of the independent investigation, um, I'm sure, you know, based on what we know of Chris Ray, you know, he'll definitely be supportive. He and Bob Mueller are very close. They're good friends. Um, they used to work together. They've been seen giving joint uh, press briefings with Bob Mueller, uh, James Comey, and Chris Ray. 
Um, so I think that they're going to have a good relationship. I think that they're going to cooperate with the with the uh, independent investigation as best as they can. Um, however, with you know as greatly and highly regarded as Chris Ray is, there are definitely a lot of potential problems with his new appointment as director of the FBI. For those of you who don't know, uh, Chris Ray is a partnering member of a law firm called King and Spalding. And uh, King and Spalding has an interesting history in which um, they've actually they are uh, active representation. Uh, legally speaking, for two state-controlled Russian oil companies, they're called Rosneft and Gazprom. Um, Rosneft very, and Gazprom. Very Russian names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I pronounce them in a way that they're not meant to be pronounced, but I'm. Uh, we're gonna roll with it because America's the American pronunciation. America. Yeah, we speak American. Um, so interestingly enough, um, Rosneft was mentioned in something that came up in the James Comey hearing, um, the Steele dossier. Uh, the Steele dossier referencing a former MI6 agent, Christopher Steele, um, who claimed in a 35-page dossier that the CEO of Rosneft, Igor Sechin, uh, he offered the presidential candidate, Donald Trump, before he became the president, um, through his campaign manager, Carter Page, offered Donald Trump a 19% stake in the company Rosneft in exchange for lifting U.S. sanctions on Russia. Now, the dossier claimed that the offer was made in July while Carter Page was still in Moscow. Um, there's no evidence to suggest that that was acted upon. There's no evidence to suggest that it was taken all the way up to Donald Trump. But it is still uh, a scandal that is present through one of Chris Ray's clients. Um, Rosneft is also a company that had a $500 billion oil drilling joint venture uh, partnering with Exxon in 2012. Uh, and that's actually back when the current Secretary of State Rex Tillerson was the CEO of Exxon. Um, which is, interestingly enough, a connection there. Uh, the deal, however, was uh, scrapped by President Obama in 2014 uh, when he imposed the current sanctions that crippled Russia's ability to do business with U.S. companies, um, to quote uh, USA Today. Um, the lifting of the sanctions by the, the Donald Trump administration, though, if they did so, would enable Exxon to renew its joint venture agreement with Rosneft, and uh, the law firm King & Spalding would end up in the middle of the, any kind of contract negotiations between those two companies. Now where we have the director of the FBI having a conflict of interest with a law firm negotiating partnerships between U.S. oil companies, one of which is owned by the current Secretary of State, we've got a problem. Um, the law firm's representation here, um, the problem with conflict of interest is, you know, people will say like, oh, he used to be a criminal prosecutor, he's not anymore, he's resigning from his law firm to become director of the FBI. That's great. The thing about uh, legal conflict of interest is that that's for life. Like if you if you were a major member of a law firm that represented a company such as this, you may not directly act in direct uh, conflict of interest with that with your partnering company as long as you live. So say you know say Chris Ray was forced into you know continuing down the path of investigating Russia collusion and did something and found evidence and acted upon intelligence that was against the interest of the Russian state that compromised the stability of the Russian state and their relationship with America, that kind of investigation and those kind of actions would go against his conflict of interest with his partnering companies because they are state-controlled companies with Russia, which means that Chris Ray, technically speaking, is not allowed to manage any kind of organization that does that work. So my concern there is Chris Ray, even though Chris Ray is a dedicated public servant. He has great moral uh, integrity. He, I, I'm really worried that he's going to run into some significant legal trouble in the future if he continues down the path of investigating Russia ties. Um, 
And I do just want to mention the other oil company that his company represents called Gazprom. Um, Gazprom is owned by a Ukrainian oligarch um, and said oligarch um, is responsible for it. So basically, he's currently in Chicago facing federal racketeering charges. Um, his name is Dmitry Furtash. Um, he's under a federal indictment in Chicago for racketeering and has had numerous financial dealings with former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. Uh, he's generally considered to be a member of the uh, Putin's inner circle. And the issue there is that, uh, you know, if if Chris Ray becomes the director of the FBI, he can't pursue federal racketeering charges against this guy because he is the CEO of a company that Chris Ray's law firm represents. So, so he would have to recuse himself, basically, from any well, dealing with that. Well, it's really difficult for the director of the FBI to recuse himself from an FBI investigation. Do you know what I mean? So right. what, what may become more likely is that the FBI drops it. So uh, Chris Ray was appointed by President Trump, but he still has to pass the Senate test and he still True. has to be confirmed. Yeah, and rumor is that they are going to be talking about this. Yeah, and I would, I would hope that they would. Um, and I think that if any... I think you were right when you said that once the Comey dust settles, we'll be hearing more from him and more about him. I think that once we once we have more information and and the senators get some more information from him, it'll it'll make or break his uh, appointment. Right. I think. And like I'm really excited that you know Trump decided to appoint a level head. I'm not I'm not entirely under the impression that Trump's advisors are not aware of the conflict of interest. I think it's possible. I mean, to go the conspiracy route, I think it's possible that they may very well know and are trying to improve Russian relations by appointing somebody who has a conflict of interest and can't fully pursue federal investigations against their partners. But, but I mean, if, if you're the Trump administration, why are you picking someone that has ties to Russia? Like, is is no one understanding the, 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 the way that this looks? Every time that you have a major appointment to a major position, anytime you do anything major, that it somehow ties back to Russia. I think and, that and usually in a major way. I mean, we have right. the attorney general who's had several meetings with the Russian ambassador. We've mm -hmm. had um, the secretary of state who has met Putin and has done a lot of business in Russia. You know about the president. So why why are they still trying to get people that are associated with Russia into the inner circle? Well, that you know they think they don't think that people notice. Like I don't understand that. I think I think the Trump administration, I mean, they're no dummies. I mean, they know that they're really good at spinning and they know that they're really good at appearing more effective than they are. And I think the the interesting thing about Chris Ray is that they found somebody who, you know, has connections, but not direct connections. Like Chris Ray hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. He hasn't met with anybody. He hasn't done anything shady. His connections with Russia are more logistical. And, you know, by he's got like three degrees of separation on this one where you know this could become a problem but not because james uh not because chris ray is going to cause a problem just because it's going to be a problem it's just a problem that exists and a connection that exists and i think the trump administration knows that they're going to be able to spin this in a sense that no we didn't appoint anybody with a russian connection his law firm has the russia connection and i think that i also th i also think that they know that as long as they have the majority in congress and as long as you know they have the people they have in those senior positions, yep. they can do whatever they want because mm -hmm. one, their supporters don't care. Mm -hmm. And two, the Republicans in Congress aren't going to do anything about it. So right. there's going to be no flack on their backs mm -hmm. when, they, when they do things like this, because it's not like their supporters are going to bring it up and say, you know, they, they, they're his supporters. I would, I would assume 
mm-hmm. would rather have someone with deep ties to Russia mm-hmm. than any affiliation with the Democratic Party. I really believe that. Okay. Um, and I think we've heard things like that from uh, just just the other day. Eric Trump, one of President Trump's wonderful children, said that Democrats aren't even people. Um, they're trying to create such a divide that his supporters and by association people in the Republican Party are just can't even fathom the thought of anyone to the left of the center being in any position of power or have any position of influence and that's really dangerous yeah I mean we're I mean we're starting to see I mean we've been seeing for a long time but the demonization of the rival political party while we've got majority controlled Republican uh, legislature um but I mean, I think that I think that this is really important, just because the the appointment of Bob Mueller as a special counsel is more important than ever, just because you know we've got somebody who's widely regarded as independent, and we've got an FBI that possibly will be crippled in its investigative potential on this, you know. So whether or not the FBI cooperates, Bob Mueller is coming for you. Right. So let's let's bring this out uh, to a little bit of a larger scope and okay. talk about Jeff Sessions, who's the Attorney General. Yep. Um, among other things. I think that this appointment of Jeff Sessions to uh, Attorney General was probably one of the worst things the Trump presidency has has produced. I'm inclined I really to agree with you. I, I really believe that through his policies and and just backwards way of thinking that yeah. it's it's it could be more detrimental than anything that Trump puts his signature on. And we saw even in the Comey hearing that Donald Trump doesn't give, you know, two shits what Jeff Sessions thinks. You know, he kicks him out of the room for anything that he wants to talk about. Yeah, and I, with the Russia thing, Jeff Sessions is involved with it too now because right. we originally found out that he had not mentioned to his Senate um, confirmation hearing that he had um, conversations with the Russian ambassador. Um, and then we just found out from this uh private session with the Senate Intelligence Committee and James Comey yesterday that there's possible possibly another undisclosed meeting with uh, the Russian ambassador that he didn't mention to the hearing either and some people are saying that um, it's possible that he perjured himself during his confirmation hearing I mean if he was asked a direct question as to whether there were any other additional meetings and he said no then he did perjure himself Right, and I and there are people, including Nancy Pelosi, who had a had a press conference on Thursday morning, um, that are calling for his resignation. Mm-hmm. And he already recused himself from anything dealing with Russia, but this is this takes it to another level. I mean, low I mean, low key leak reports have suggested that he's already offered his resignation in response to Donald Trump being so mean to him all the time. So right, that hasn't been confirmed yet or even commented on, but that that has been reported. Um, I mean, odds are it's true. It, it could be true. Um, I, don't I mean, know. The, the leak reports from the White House have proven to be pretty reliable up to this point. Right. And he he was the one that offered to recuse himself, and, and Trump wasn't happy with that either. But it's amazing that another Trump official might resign not even a half a year into his first term. It's just crazy. The thing with Jeff Sessions is, like, I do not, I don't have much respect for that man at all. I don't like his policies. I don't appreciate his outlook on the world or the criminal justice system. I think he's tearing it apart. And I just, the fact that I spent four years in school for that and just to see what Jeff Sessions is trying to do, it makes me really upset. However, um, I do feel a twinge of guilt for him just because, you know, you can tell that he's a little corrupt, teeny little elf man who's trying to do his best 
and he's trying his very hardest to do what he thinks is the right thing, and Donald Trump is just shutting him down all the way. And you do have to feel bad to some level when you've got somebody who is legitimately trying to do their best, whether their intentions are aligned with yours or not. Right. And, you know, he's just being obstructed in every way with, with, with whatever he tries to do, whether or not it's morally acceptable to me or not. He's just being stonewalled at every case. Right. And we might get some answers to as to uh, these different allegations on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, he's going to testify in front of the Appropriations Committee um, about his DOJ budget. But several Democrats have said that they will ask him about these Russia allegations, mm-hmm. um, as well as some things that uh, James Comey said. So that'll be another hearing that will um, be really interesting to watch because it, it has been a while since Sessions has spoken publicly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be a public hearing that um, he'll be answering questions. And uh, I'm sure that there will be some very direct questions about Russia from the Democratic side. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. All right, everybody. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for listening in with another week of PG-13 with Paul and Glenn. Uh, Please follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash PG-13 podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at that same username. Uh, On Facebook, we post links to our SoundCloud podcast every week. And those go up on iTunes as well if you're interested in that. Uh, Please feel free to uh, like and comment on our Facebook posts. You know, please feel free to share them with your friends. Please feel free to post on our page with any suggestions that you have. We'd be more than happy to hear them. We like to engage in some spirited debate from time to time as well, should that be something you're up for. Uh, But, you know, come join us next week, and we're happy to be with you guys. Thank you very much. 